0: Shut up, and sit down. Friday, what's up guys, it's the weekend, what's up? This is episode 87 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast, I'm Daryl, I'm your host, thanks for listening. It's good to be here, Um, plenty, plenty to talk about, plenty to get into, and it's only been what, two or three days since uh, since we were last here. So uh, thanks for tuning into that one. That was called Pissin' and Moanin', and we just did a bit of, uh, we didn't really touch on politics with that one. Uh, you know, we touched on some uh, some other subjects, but um, plenty, plenty, plenty to get into today. But um, I was thinking about, like, Daylight Savings Time, which we've, it was like a few weeks back. But my, my cats have... They don't give a fuck about daylight savings time. And I know there's like talks about getting rid of it and everything like that. My cats are just on time and you can set your watch by the eating habits of my cats. They are exactly one hour behind at the moment and asking for all of their meals, like coming up and screaming like it's time to go. Um... I was just thinking about that before I uh, before I jumped on today because uh, they're fucking annoying the shit out of me. Um, but never mind. Uh, so yeah, it's a weekend. And I am going back to... If you live in London and you listen to this podcast, you have to go to Peddler. Peddler is a little restaurant spot in Peckham Rye. It's on, it's on Peckham Rye uh, in South South London. The breakfast... I've been once. We we went once about a month ago and just randomly found it online. I had the weekender from their Sunday menu. It's, it's on their breakfast or brunch menu, whatever. Um, it is far and away the best breakfast I've ever had at a restaurant anywhere. Just full stop. Nothing else to add. I don't know what the rest of their menu is. They do uh deep fried olives, but I think and it'll be a travesty if they did uh, I think they've taken them off the menu. but you have to try this place. you have to make a reservation because it opens at 10 and by you know sort of half past it's there isn't a table available. Uh, we had to wait I think 45 minutes because c- we just dropped in the first time. Um, but it was well worth the wait and I definitely recommend it and I very very rarely recommend. Like eating out but this place for a first for first time uh it was uh it was spot on it was it was crazy so anyways I'm going back there and my mouth is watering just thinking about that breakfast but if you live in London and listen to the show go ahead and check that out and do yourself a favor um because you know eating out is eating out right there's some there's some decent places out there for sure uh but this just this was just one that really stood out for me so give that shot to Peddler uh in southeast London Peckham Rye um you won't be disappointed uh so be heading back there on sunday and it's bank holiday weekend so it's the first bank holiday in may um maybe you guys got some plans and you're going away think the roads are going to be pretty jam-packed today uh so keep that in mind i'm your fucking weather and, and traffic man now as well it's going to be cloudy um but yeah we got two bank holidays in may and then nothing until august and we're so blessed like in England, to have so many bank holidays. And in Europe, they have even more. But like in North America and, and like Canada, there's, there's very few, I think. Um, and also like the holiday situation over here is, is hilarious. That was one thing I, that really took me aback when I first came, came back to England, was the fact that you get like a month off throughout the year. And I think my mom, for instance, has been working for her company for like 20 odd years. And I think she just gets like three weeks or something like that. It's fucking crazy. Um, But anyways, I don't know really what got me down that path, but I can't wait to eat this this breakfast this weekend. Um, So yeah, so then we don't get any more bank holidays until August. Um, So I hope you guys are making the most of it and and getting out there. And uh, if you live in the city, escape into the country and uh, a little bit of fresh air. That's what I plan to do. so what else? So plenty to get into, um, as, as I mentioned. And I don't know if I want to start on this side of the pond or the other side of the pond. I'll tell you what. Let's let's start with something that we were talking about last episode, um, which was the Castor-Semenya ruling uh, by the, I think it was the IAAF or something like that, um, that said uh, she has... Uh, hormone levels, testosterone levels that are far too high to be competing with women and that they're going to, they're going to put in place a cap, an upper limit on the amount of testosterone that uh, someone can have when competing in the female division, even if they are technically a bi- biological female. Now, apparently in some medical reports that are sealed, and I saw this on Twitter last night, so I don't know the true validity of it, but apparently, in the medical reports for Castor Semenya, uh, it was shown that she doesn't eat, she doesn't actually have a womb, nor does she have ovaries. Uh, but she has a vagina um, and you know, uh, we can be very honest here, right she she has very uh, a very masculine appearance. She has very broad shoulders, she has, you know, uh, uh, a more dominant forehead I would say like in a, in a male way like there are cl- clear features right um, not only that but you can tell she's got a lot of testosterone running through her body because she fucking whoops everybody's ass right um, now what we were talking about last episode is the fact that this was basically discrimination but I didn't know and again I don't know for sure that these medical assertions are correct but if they are then it kind of moves the goalposts for me a little bit because this then becomes a question of like how female is she? Because if she's if she has um, male testes, which apparently is another claim, an assertion in this in this medical in the medical reports, then. Again, that kind of moves the goalposts for me and I would have to reassess how I thought about the ruling that the IAF uh, or whoever it was, uh, the governing body um, and the court uh, handed down their decision and how they did that and the things that they had to consider. Because I guess there are degrees of this, right? Um, in, terms of, in terms of gender. But she has to have a chromosomal structure that is leaning one way or the other right or is that hermaphrodite and then I'm just all fucked up on it you know but what it leads me to is the fact that on the other end like we're dealing with a really tricky biological investigation here where we have to make some real assessments based on the biology of castor samania in my opinion if these medical reports are true then that That uh, that deepens how I think about it in terms of the nuance of gender and how she would or he would be placed kind of in that. That's very different from what I'm seeing like in the news and on on Twitter and so on with this person. And I don't know their name. I don't don't really care. Um, But it's a trans woman. So was a man. And you can clearly tell has now smashed the uh, women's world record in powerlifting, squats, deadlifts, etc. And I wonder how they feel, because let's assume, as we did in the last episode, that Castor Semenya is being regulated biologically for the testosterone she naturally produces as a female. There is, on the other end of the spectrum, a community, including females, a lot of females that are pushing progressively and blindly progressive, I might add, for men who have been men through adolescence who have then transitioned into a woman to enter into female competition and subsequently dominate. How do the females in that um, in that camp feel about what's happening with Castor Semenya taking out what I said about the what are sealed medical records we don't have any confirmation of that I'm just saying that that is a possibility but what we know right now is that she is a female who has been shown to be a female right being regulated biologically how do the females in the group that is that are proponents of allowing trans women into female competitions how do they feel about that presumably they don't care about testosterone levels and presumably they would be against any regulation capping testosterone levels how do they f- it's it's, it's a, I'm curious as to how they feel about it but the absurdity on one side, again, taking out the stuff that I said about the, the sealed medical records that I read online yesterday, taking that out, you've got a woman here who's being regulated with, with performance they're not even performance-enhancing drugs. They're performance like dehancing drugs, right? They, they remove her potential to perform biologically at what she's capable, what she's capable of biologically. So they're asking her to take performance reducing drugs. Which is doping, right? So that's a form of doping. You would never do that kind of doping, but it is a form of doping. But they don't have any problem. I'm talking about the females on the transgender movement side of things. They don't have any problem with the, bio, like, with the biological... levels of a woman presumably because they don't have a problem with the physiological problem uh, advantages of a transgender woman right going through adolescence as a man developing the bone structure and all the things that we know about you know that that produce uh, physical enhancements in men over women the women in the transgender movement who are supporting you know transgender women into female sports they don't care about the physiological things so do they care about the things that are going on with castor samania i don't know it seems like a this is basically what i'm saying and you're probably out there thinking what the fuck are you talking about and if there's a little bit of that fantastic because effectively what's going on now with this recent news that this Transgender woman has come over and smashed the world powerlifting records for women, and then me talking about the Caster thing and how the people on either side are feeling. This is all absurdity, right? You, f- everything is all fucked up. <laughs> this is all craziness. This is craziness because nobody knows what to do, and everything was just fine. So, if there is a trans community out there that is prevalent in athletics, why not set up your own games? Right? Why not set up your own events and allow them to grow and allow them to be a place specifically for people in the transgender community to compete against one another because if we can't figure this thing out it's just going to continue to fuck things up. You can't have a guy transition to into a woman. Does he? In fact, I got to correct myself. I don't even think he's transitioned. I think he just identifies as. I don't even think there's been like surgery and things like that. I think he just identifies as. Which is even more fucking crazy. But this is where we are with things. and if all you can make out of it it is that it is one big clusterfuck you'd be absolutely accurate but i try in some way to, to, to discern what's going on in this thing and all i can all i can really come to is this is the the the, the like a the chaos theory right the snake eating its own tail it's It's death by progression, you know? It's it's people just, just with craziness, with craziness. Um, now, staying with athletics, but on a different note, if you haven't seen this 17-year-old kid, you've got to... I mean, I can't... We're not on video, so I can't play it anyways, but I'd be pulled off YouTube if I pulled that clip up. But just search... Um, I've got the link here, I think. Search... It is 17-year-old or he's like 0.4 sec. So it says, High school student runs 100 meters, just 0.4 seconds slower than Usain Bolt. Right? This white kid in high school runs a 9.98. And you have to see the footage of it because it is absolutely insane. It's bonkers how he just takes off. Like, within... I'd say six steps, he hits another gear, and then another gear, and another gear. It is absolutely nuts. Um, he's, a, he's an American high school senior. Name is Matthew Bowling, and he goes to Strake Jesuit College Prep in Houston, Texas. He's 18. Um, and, of course, I've got adverts. So let me just close this and see. But... It's, it's insane. Anyways, I'm not going to spend any time on it. Just go and Google the video. It's nuts. Um, and now, of course, my computer's frozen because of adverts, which is fantastic. Um, speaking of bad internet experiences, I don't even know if that's a segue, really. Um, but Facebook has now banned Alex Jones, Mile Yiannopoulos, Yiannopoulos and Louis Farrakhan for being dangerous. So I wrote about this on Facebook, but it seems to have been removed. <laughs> um, and I was hoping to pull it up and read it to you guys, but the, I guess the nuts and bolts of it really are the fact that as heinous as these people are, well, I think we mentioned something about, like, kind of what Facebook is the other day. Like, is Facebook a platform, publisher, you know, public public utility because it's a communication channel? Like, what is it? Um, and what should they be regulated as if they were to be regulated? What they cannot be, in my opinion, is the arbiter of, like, free speech, and what is and is not dangerous, because there's some pretty heinous shit on Facebook. If I'm to be, on, if I'm being completely honest with you, you know, um, you can see war video. You can see people getting run over by trucks and tanks, and you can see people having massive failures and hurting themselves, and you can have, you know, any. Any number of different things. You can see animals suffering, the worst kind of suffering. You know, you can see heinous stuff on Facebook, disguised as charity, disguised as you know uh, wanting to help uh, animals or or starving or you know downtrodden people. You know, you, you can you can see this this footage of you know civil unrest and 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 assaults on the citizens of, you know, of countries by their government. You can see all this on Facebook, it passes as news, right? But if you have a strong leaning opinion that goes against the fundamental fabric of what social media companies are built on, which is liberal progressive values, inclusion, and towing the line of progressive thinking, if you lean too heavily against that, now, you know, now we live in a culture where tech companies have so much control, they will just silence you. And in my opinion, that's a terrible, terrible place to be because we're so addicted to social media that we're not going to care that these people are being banned and censored from platforms that contain lots of people that agree with them. Now, you might say, well, that's how you can, you know, incite violent protests and and things like that. Okay, but either we're going to let the Internet be a free and open platform where you can do whatever you want, or we're going to put some sort of... uh, you know, legislation and, 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 and government body to regulate it, to operate it, to maintain it and monitor it. Like, it's not currently that. It's upon the individuals to maintain a code of conduct. Of course, there are standards that you have to, you know, adhere to, but not anything that is really law-abiding. So where does the responsibility fall And what does that mean for the ability to openly communicate the way you might want to if you disagree or fall on the other side of an opinion as the people that run these companies? I don't want Facebook telling me what's dangerous and what's not. I don't want the boogeymen to be... Just, I don't want to pull the curtains when the boogeyman's outside the window. You know? That's not how you deal with it. You can't shut these people out because it only makes them more fringe. And we all know human behavior is such that if you tell someone they can't have something, they want it even more. So why would we think? Like, Alex Jones is fucking crazy, right? Milo Yiannopoulos is a fucking attention whore. Louis Farrakhan is a fucking racist. No doubt about any of the things I've just said. I've got no problems in saying them and I don't take them back because I think they're absolutely accurate. Do I want them banned from the platform? No. I want to know what they have to say so I can see the absurdity in it so I can fight back against it if I need to so I'm not shocked right? I don't want to become desensitized to it but I don't want to be shocked by, by, the fir- by its first appearance I need to know my enemy so I can defeat my enemy sort of thing But this is not the way to do it. The folly of one's ideas is the perfect opportunity to drive just an absolute wedge in their whole philosophy. You want to see what they've got to say so you can identify how you agree with some of it or you disagree with some of it and if it's something as ludicrous as, you know, the things that come out of any one of those three's mouths on any given day. Great. Now, do I think that if Alex Jones is responsible for inciting violence against the parents at Sandy Hook that he shouldn't that he shouldn't be held accountable? Definitely not. But I think as you would with you know a penalty like okay so what I'm trying to say is if Alex Jones incites violence against the parents of Sandy Hook Alex Jones should be should be held criminally responsible for that he should be charged for that if he can be directly tied to it i.e. by making a statement such as um you know we need to go to Sandy Hook and, and have a word with these parents and make sure they understand you know we know what's going on that kind of shit and then people show up at the Sandy Hook parents' doors, start harassing them, causing them grief, you know, whatever that might escalate into, Alex Jones should almost be treated as the source, as the instigator of that, of the inciter of that violence, and should be held accountable. But again, you go down a slippery slope, right? Because then you say, well, what's the starting point? Where did their thoughts originate? What made them do that? So I understand the nuance that's involved in thinking about you know why we should or should not ban people from the internet, but I think ultimately, if we start banning people because we think they're dangerous without defining why actually they've been ban- they've been banned, you know if you if you've seen uh, Jack Dorsey with his lawyer on Twitter with Tim Pool and Rogan, you'll understand very very flimsy reasons for getting banned. Very, very sketchy ideas about, you know, what constitutes hate speech and so on. So we have to be really careful when they say, oh, you know what? These are, like, in their heads, this is soft target material, right? Alex Jones, Milo Yiannopoulos or Yiannopoulos and Louis Farrakhan. Yeah, okay. Of course, they're soft targets. Everybody's gonna be like, yeah, ban those motherfuckers. On the whole, people are gonna be like, fuck those guys. But what what happens when they do it to somebody who's just a little less extreme than them? Than those three. And, they, and Facebook bans them. And Twitter bans them. And YouTube bans them. And because they're only s- such a small degree maybe less offensive than those three again people are kind of like I don't really give a fuck. It's not me. It doesn't really bother me. Then it happens again. Then it happens again. And then they're code of conduct and their rules for operation on these platforms is so restrictive that only people with the company's true ethos of kind of liberal progressive thinking is in mind and any content that is distributed through the platform is of that nature. Well, I mean, all we've really done is just siloed them into what they already are now. They include both sides, which is just an echo chamber, but it'll just be a liberal echo chamber. Like, do you think, like, this is the thing, right? Like, banning these guys, not, doesn't get rid of them. You don't think there's, you don't think there's websites out there where these guys can discuss their thoughts and ideas and their, you know, their philosophies, if you want to call it that. Their thoughts about the government or whatever the fuck else they want to do. You think racists aren't going to find a way? You think crazies aren't going to find a way? You think people who disagree with you or think differently than you are going to be silenced just because you take their Facebook account away, I just don't see it being a, a very, very effective tactic. But more so than that, I do not think it falls upon those companies to have the right to arbitrate what free speech is, what's allowed to be distributed. But then again, I see the point of them being, you know, publicly publicly traded companies, you know, responsible to their shareholders and so on and so forth. So I get both sides of it. I just don't agree with censorship. I think censorship is a very, very slippery slope because if they impose it on one person based on some abstract you know rules and regulations that they apply to them. What's them stopping what's stopping them from doing that to anybody else as and when they, their views and their comments get a little too extreme. I mean let me take this in, let me take this uh, opportunity to talk about Instagram and Facebook for a moment. So as I've mentioned a couple of times, I run a fitness business outside of here, right? But more importantly than that, I keep a an Instagram diary of, of the workouts that I do. And this is, you know, I'm glad that some people follow me and everything like that. But this has always been, from day one, a record and a diary for me to keep myself on track, right? If I see myself a week after, you know, say the point of a video and I look worse, That's another check and balance for me. It's another way of keeping myself on track. It's another way of keeping myself motivated. It's it's another way of progressing for me, right? So on occasion, I'll I'll forget to mute a video because I've learned my lesson by now. Facebook are so... uh, so strict on it it's it's absolutely ridiculous but now it's, it's, it's actually extended to Instagram as well and what I'm talking about is when I'm in the gym and I record a video for instance because I post that to a page that people see I could transact business with they block it it's a copyright issue but then again I think the same thing happens on my personal page as well But yet, if I'm at a concert, I can play the music from a concert, no problem. So how does the gym playlist get me a copyright ban? You know what I mean? It's not like I'm editing the videos and and, and putting the music that I got from iTunes on them. I learned my lesson a long time ago with that. But now it's gotten to the point where even the service provided by the company get you in trouble. And I'll give you an example. I posted a video on my Instagram story, which was not a business account because I couldn't post music full stop when I had my account as a business account. It is a personal account. So I put a boxing video, like a 15 second boxing video on my Instagram story. And because my account was personal, I had the opportunity to add music to it. So what do you put with a boxing video? You put Eye of the Tiger, right? You put a little Rocky vibes into it. Well, those, those songs got blocked, but that's through the music functionality that Instagram provides its users. So the entire searchable library that is on Instagram music is not available for use. And there's no warning prior to using it. So you could spend two minutes of your time putting a video up there, editing it, changing the you know, filter, whatever, hashtagging it, whatever you're doing with the fucking thing, finding a gift for it, whatever. And you might put a piece of music with it and it might be pulled down in 30 seconds because there's just an all out copyright on using that song. So why the fuck is it in the library? Why is it even a cho- why is it even available? Because when you look at the copyright, it's banned in like sixty countries. It's like oh okay, so you're keeping it in there for what the people of Laos in case they want to use Eye of the Tiger. That's why it's in your library. Do better. These companies just need to do better. They need to stop thinking in their little con- like their little controlled boxes, and they just need to provide better services. Like I got a rebrand on Facebook. It looks shit. It looks terrible. But it's like I don't want these companies who can't even get a library music correct, arbitrating what is right to be talking about and what is deemed dangerous or not. Stay in your fucking lane. Just improve your software. Work on the branding. Work on the connectivity of your of your of your apps. Whatever the fuck you do, do that. Don't worry about what I'm talking about. Like, are you a publisher or are you a platform? Because if you're just a platform, then it should be down to the individual users, which is the way I think it should be, probably. Like if Alex Jones, like I just said, if Alex Jones says something heinous and families get attacked because it originated with Alex Jones, he should bear some of the responsibility. 100% from a criminal point of view. I don't think, I mean, if he wants to do it again, do it again. It's a three-strike rule, just like with everything else, right? Unless it's something vicious. But the punishment should fit the crime. And that's why I think these companies shouldn't be able to regulate it. They should just be able to provide it. They should be a service provider. So, I just think it's a slippery slope when you start talking about censorship. And when you start talking about, what people can and cannot say because some people that we don't know, we don't know how many of them decide that's enough. We don't know how they came to this decision. We have no insight as to what constitutes dangerous. They've just given us three examples that most people are like, yeah, fuck those guys. But we don't really know what the hell is going on. And I'm not comfortable with that. So fuck Facebook. Um, I think staying on that side Of the pond would actually be a pretty good idea because uh what I wanted to talk about next was the stuff that's been going on in the Senate with Bill Barr's testimony and the fact that he didn't he didn't show up yesterday. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Obviously, the way Jerry Nadler stipulated that he, you know, was going to allow like staff lawyers question. Uh, the attorney general he wasn't comfy comfortable with. I don't really think there's a precedent for that, um, and he just didn't show up. Um, Nadler obviously took the opportunity to show us what a what a crisis at hand we are really looking at here, and it's of course hyperbole. Of course, it's you know an embellishment to a point, but I don't think it's unrealistic. If you're not paying attention to politics right now, I don't know what is wrong with you. If if you don't know the state of crisis that our political systems, and I'm talking mainly about the UK and the US, are actually in at the moment, I think you start... I think now is probably the time to start waking the fuck up because we're in a real... We're in a real... Crisis situation. I don't want to. I don't want to be one of these fear mongering commentators on the state of politics, but I want to be as realistic as I think I I can be by the things that I'm seeing. Does that make sense? I don't want to. I don't want to blow this out of proportion, but I think it. I think a little bit of that is required, to be honest, because whether you're talking about the local elections here. You know, and Boris Johnson saying he voted when he lives in London and the, and the local elections don't have anything to do with London. Like, did he just admit that he got, that he committed voter fraud? Or is he just so stupid, which is even more, which is even more terrifying because he could potentially be the next prime minister? Like, I, I don't know which one's worse. That the fact that he basically admitted committing voter fraud, if in fact he did vote, which he didn't. Because how would he? But the fact that he's too dumb to know the electoral situation in this country, that he has a good chance of leading, is really, really scary. So... If you're not looking at politics, if you're not, I mean, that's a very, very minor example, but if you're not looking at politics right now, I don't know what's wrong with you. I think this is one of the most crucial times to be actively engaging in politics and actively looking and investigating what is going on with politics. And I've talked about it ad nauseum here on the show about listening to both sides about looking at what the right are saying, looking at what the left are saying, look at what, you know, any centrist you might be able to find are saying, looking at what field reporters are saying, investigative journalists are saying, you have to have such a breadth of content that you consume because if you're not, if you're not, you are not informed to be talking about this and you are not informing yourself about the impending doom, impending crisis that could be coming if we don't address the problems that are inherent and systemic in our political system so um i think you know with 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 the local election stuff and the borough stuff people oftentimes laugh that off because they think he's a buffoon and, and and so on and so forth but it that's a real problem for me uh on a, on a different level mainly the level of fat uh, of his potential to lead this country one day and it doesn't seem that buffoons or idiots or racist or sexist or whatever you want to call them, label them with, paint them with whatever brush you have in your hand. These are not uh, these are not character traits that are disqualifying. You know, we're seeing this from you know actors and reality stars in America and Ukraine, you know, to far right wingers in Central America, South America, you know. We're not we're not going the way we should, and it's not being helped by people who are trying to forcibly push us there. Um, you know, the the progressive idiots out there, like the people that support Donald uh, f- fucking the, you know, the transgender guy, you know, the transgender woman that just broke all the women. The people who are trying to push us that way, they're the reason why Trump's going to get reelected. They're the reason why people are saying, you know what? I don't want any of that fucking absurdity. I want normality. And they think crazy is the new normal. And we can't let Boris Johnson be a representative for us by the way he's fucking acted. Historically. The guy's a buffoon. He might be a smart, you know, he might be a smart motherfucker, but he's an idiot too. And he makes some proper big fuck-ups. So, just just watch this, yeah? Because what I'm talking about with Bill Barr, on the other side of the pond, that's a whole different level. That really does make me think, like, democracy in crisis. And, I mean, you have to think of this in the context of what the past few years have been like. You know, since since the uh, Republican Party effect, you know, effectively fell in on itself mm. and allowed, you know, Donald Trump to ascend to the position he's been able to ascend to and you know, dismember the fabric of American politics the way he has. I mean, fuck if he's been effective at something, he's been effective at that because the way we're looking at this Bill Burr Bill Burr? Bill Barr, um, not the comedian, the attorney general. Um, The way he is, and I'm maybe, what, an hour and a half, two hours into his testimony, into the hearing. I mean, it's a tale of two sides. One which is blatantly disregarding any opportunity, I think is the word. Any... Any chance, any opportunity to 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 save, to salvage some form of justice, some sort of you know bipartisanship, just fucking thrown out the window on both sides. By the way, both sides. By the way, because there's no subtlety, there's no nuance. You know, I mean, the way Bill Barr is answering these questions when the Republicans answer it, it's like, yeah, why the fuck am I here? Of course, we've rehearsed these questions you know, when the Democrats ask him a question, he's like, he's hair splitting, he's talking around his words, he's giving, you know, just flimsy answers to most of the questions and making up some real, real stretches of the law from anything that I've heard, just in terms of, you know, really stretching what the interpretation of a word could be or what a law could mean, really, really playing that, you know, playing that fine line of where he can go with this um, to defend the president, which is clearly what's happening. And I think this letter that he's received from Mueller is is a great way of kind of going into initiating getting Mueller on the stand and hearing directly from him. Um... But the blatant disregard of just any structure, any civility, there's a real problem going on here because if people, even attorneys generals or anything like that, can ignore subpoenas given by the Senate, that sets a really dangerous precedent for a leader of that country just to say, well, fuck all you guys. What are you going to do? As long as I can get the military on my side, which... I don't think trump could do but that's all it takes once you've got that you've effectively got a you know you've effectively got a takeover so it's like we've been saying for months and months and months this is a very very slippery slope it's a very slippery slope and i don't think people who aren't invested in politics have any real semblance of of the dire straits we could find ourselves in very very soon. I talk about a recession coming and the economy collapsing and things like that which I still fully believe is going to happen because I think we're riding a wave that's over, you know, and and is coming to an end shortly. But if the if the fabric of what our democracies are becomes so corrupt become so dysfunctional, non-operational, which is what they both are now. Nobody's getting anything done. The UK government's just fannying around with this Brexit garbage. The US is ensconced in what is likely to become an impeachment process. Nothing is happening for the people that actually are responsible for putting those individuals in those positions of power in the first place. And that's a goddamn problem that is a real dysfunctional system you live in and can we actually put our hands up and say democracy is the best form of government right now i think it it can be it's the best thing we've seen so far if the right people are in place but more and more the wrong people are getting it, becoming you know stakeholders in those positions becoming leaders becoming the, the the most powerful and we're such an ignorant society based on our lack of attention to detail lack of Interest in nuance, lack of uh, an attention span, or even an inclination—in most people's—in uh, most people's cases, we do not have the tools or the brain power, and we're not equipping ourselves with the information uh, to be able to stand up to this thing properly. Some people are, some people are, but I got to look to sixteen-year-old uh, girls with Aspergers who are actually saying something worth listening to. These politicians, none of them are saying anything worth listening to, and I've listened to them all. They're talking absolute nonsense. And they're like, oh, well, what policies are they talking? What, you know, what's their manifesto? Don't ask me. They don't talk about it. They use talking points. They say, we're for the people. You know, these action points, these bullet points, these talking points, Medicare for all, free college tuition in the States, you know, The only manifesto the, p- the political parties have in this country is Brexit or no Brexit. That's it. Where are my revolutionaries at? Calling all revolutionaries between 18 and 25 years of age. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at the lineup that's questioning Bill Barr. And I'm like, this is how our politics are. This is what they look like. This is the people in charge. They're fucking dinosaurs. They're all dinosaurs, man. They're all relics from a from a bygone era. These are not people who are relatable, who understand the current society we live in. They're isolated from that. Some picture I see of Bernie Sanders in the paper in the line at the checkout. Like this is some fucking, you know, unicorn sighting or something like that. It's like, give me a break, man. These people are all relics. So one of the things I want to do this weekend is watch uh, the documentary they did, uh, We Tore the House Down I think it's called, with um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez because I think um, it looks pretty good. And it looks, it, it has, you know, it has that flavor to it where it's about how to shake up politics and, and the fact that all you have to do is really focus on the people. and And you can get this shit done. It may be a slow burn but you can get it done. I don't see it getting done in the UK. I see waves of it in America. I just hope it's not broken, you know, too far gone to repair. But we got to stop it in this country before it gets out of hand because we've got some real idiots up next that we got to keep an eye on. And you see it by the pollings, right? The local elections that Boris voted in. You see it Let me, let me pull up the dashboard real quick. There's a scorecard thing and it's really, really telling. Let me see this thing real quick. Okay, cool. So, this was at... this was earlier this morning. um, Because we're... uh, Where is it? Uh, What have I done? Don't play the video again. Sorry, guys. I'm just going to the scorecard. Here it is. Okay, cool. So... It was like... at one point... uh, Labor had lost like... 75... uh, 74 seats. Uh, the conservative conservative party lost like well over 400 and i think 450 or something like that the liberal democrat party however have won 308 seats the green party has won 41 seats and the residents association has won 13 seats while ukip has lost 54 at this point and I think I saved this from uh, Friday morning or something like that I just took a screenshot of it and uh, that, that was where we were, were currently at so I'm sure it's I don't think it's over I don't think it was over wh- when I last checked but not great for those parties because what you're seeing there is as a result of the mishandling of Brexit you're seeing a lot of the people who supported that party bounce and go somewhere else, and a lot of them have gone to the Liberal Democrats. Um, this is probably down to how much of a shit show they've made out of Brexit, and the Labour Party saying that we have to get out of Brexit. We still have to do Brexit, even though we've made such a mess of it. Like people aren't happy with that line of inquiry. People aren't uh, with that line of, uh, of of answer. They're not. They're not happy with that. So they're looking at other parties who are saying, "You know what? Brexit was a fucking terrible idea. We should get out of this and fucking just leave it be. It's a like it's a poison chalice." And I think that's why you're seeing some real surge in the Liberal Democrat support. But what that means in terms of a, you know, general election, I think it makes it less likely because you're definitely going to get a coalition government. And I think that's less likely uh, to inspire anybody towards a general election. So um, it's just really a shit show. And it's a shame because what we're seeing is we're seeing a crisis of our institutions. And we are seeing subsequent to that that we definitely don't have the right people in place that have the integrity or the fortitude to see us through this. These are all job worths that are more interested in just playing party politics and yelling and snickering and and like smirking, you know, in the face of their opponents and actually making some real change and putting some actual effort and, you know, an elbow grease in. That's not an exclusive blanket statement. That's a majority representation. That's what I'm drawing from that. And I'm drawing from that from what I see when when I watch Prime Minister's questions. I'm taking that from when I see interviews. I'm seeing that when I'm Watching some of these politicians take questions from, you know, discerning members of the public and they have a smirk on their face when they, when they give a wry response. Like, what the fuck are you laughing at? What do you think is so funny about fucking the rest of us over while you sit there in your, in your you know, in your adorned chambers and the rest of us are, are out here trying to survive, trying to do the best we can. But the institutions we fill up with the representatives are not doing the work for us that they should be. And it's representative in their behavior and their lack of understanding about what the temperature of the country is. So I'm really disheartened with with the state of play at the moment. And I think if we keep letting this incompetence by, we're gonna find ourselves in a situation where we don't have any control over anything. It's not even a representative government now. What do you think it would be like in five years if we let this shit continue? Your politicians aren't representing you. What, because they ask the Prime Minister maybe one question a week about what's going on? They might write her a letter and get some fucking template response back. They're not doing your work. Look at the Extinction Rebellion. It took them a week. They got action done. Did they get the right action out of the meeting with whoever it was, Jeremy Hunt? No. But I think Parliament has declared that there is a climate crisis in this country and something needs to be done about it. That was one of the things that they wanted to accomplish, and they ticked that off the box. They didn't get it from somebody else. Okay, cool. What are they going to do next? At least they're organized. They even cleaned up after themselves when they disbanded the protest. I think police might be a little less reluctant or a little bit more reluctant to arrest them next time. Fucking saying it cost the Met Police seven million extra or something like that to deal with them. You didn't have to deal with them. They didn't do anything wrong. They disrupted traffic. Okay, that's what civil disobedience does. It disrupts stuff that usually runs somewhat efficiently. Right? You can't corner somebody and just say, oh, you have to stand by Marble Arch. That's the only place you can protest. Because a true protester will tell you to go fuck yourself and stay exactly where they are. And if, if you're arresting them on that basis, okay. But you didn't accomplish anything and they cleaned up after themselves and they made a point and they got something done. So I think maybe there'll be a bit more reluctance to, uh, to, 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 to arrest nearly a thousand of them, a thousand of them next time. What the fuck was that? Some stuttering around. Today, Junior. They arrested nearly a thousand of them, and for what? Because they're saying that we're killing our plant. They want to make a. They want to make a stand of it. Good. I'm with you, because I appreciate action, and I appreciate passion. And I appreciate people doing shit that matters, and people who have the. The the drive and the commitment and the courage of their conviction to do something about something. Do something. Now I'm getting now I'm getting wound up. Like fucking do something. Not enough people do shit. Sitting around doing fucking nothing, making excuses for themselves. Get up and do something. We got a Trump visit in a couple weeks. Get wrapped. Get ready. Fucking do something. Get out and let them know you disapprove. Let them know you don't approve of the job they're doing and you're not going to take them doing this substandard performance anymore. And if they smirk and they grin in your face like Boris Johnson does on television on a fucking daily basis, then ask him, what are you looking at? What do you think is so funny? You got people sleeping rough in this country. You got people not making enough money in this country. Apparently, you got a housing crisis in this country. Apparently, you got an immigration problem in this country. Apparently, you got a Brexit in, in, in issue in this country. So what do you find so funny? What is humorous about this situation to you? Put them on Front Street. Because otherwise, this motherfucker is going to be leading us in a couple of years. And then what? good luck but with that said that's not how we're ending the week guys all right that's not how we're ending the week these all these crusty old motherfuckers although they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing don't let them affect you i'm saying get up i'm saying do something i'm saying be positive take action hold people accountable make them be transparent Say what they actually mean, and mean what they actually say. That's all you. That's all you want from from the people leading you. But they can't touch you. They can't. They can't invade your energy. If you keep that positive. If you keep that pointed true north towards positivity and kindness and compassion, and I know it's a honky thing to say, honky thing to say, or a wonky thing to say. Kind of, it's a honky wonky thing to say, right? But it's true. You just got to stay positive. If you stay positive, you will, you will persevere. You will persevere. And however, whatever it looks like that makes you stay positive, you know, whether it's working out whether it's you know spending time with a loved one whether it's painting whether it's making music whatever it is in the times of of absurdity and chaos and, and and sort of you know just dysfunction like we're kind of in now with some of the political stuff that's happening it's more important than ever to stay stay close to those that really matter and those that really spend energy on On loving you and making you feel the right way, the positive way, the happy way. Or doing the activities that make us feel that way. If maybe we don't have that family around us. Focus on you, focus on your happiness, focus on your positivity. That's all you can do. If you've got some extra energy, of course reach out and hold these motherfuckers accountable every turn. We've got to do that too. But as long as you do it from a place of love, from a place of positivity... We can't go wrong. We can't go wrong. And this has to be a glitch in the matrix because I know the majority of people are not like what we're seeing in our political system, in the, de- in the discourse of the people who are leading us or the powerful. This is not most people I know. This is not representative of us. And then the only thing I can deduce from that is that they're not representative of us. And therefore they're not representing us and therefore they're not doing their job therefore they need to be replaced so as long as we keep our our eye on the prize and we live in the right way we can persevere through this chaos and we will come out on the other side a much better creature a much better version of ourselves and is that not the point of it all to be better than you were and to leave things better than they were before you came. If we can play a little, a little part of that, by doing the right things and acting the right way, and holding those accountable, all along the way, we'll be fine. We'll work this thing out. We'll, we'll correct the ship. We'll write the. We'll write the angle. We'll write the course, and we won't let ourselves slip into, you know, this place of purgatory this place of of unrecognizable societal structure that just doesn't make sense to anybody but somehow we found ourselves here we can we can avoid this and i think if we all just stay positive and we all just stay focused and maybe get a little bit more involved we can we can see our way through so for me that road is exercise that, that calms me it centers me it, it focuses me but I've talked about that you know on the show before um but again I want to give a shout out to anybody that's on that journey because it's a tough journey and with everything else that we talk about on this show maybe impacting our lives a couple of percentage of our lives you know a couple of minutes of our day with all the other shit that we've got going on family and work and bills and everything like that For those of you that are on your separate journey doing that little bit extra, I commend you because you're my type of people. People who do that hustle on the side after doing the 9 to 5. People who get up real early before the sun's up and they're out there and they're working out and they're sweating. And they're making themselves healthy and they're getting the best out of themselves and putting their stress on themselves so nothing else can affect them. I salute you guys. I commend you guys. Be the influence to others around you whenever possible. Don't be an intrusive, you know, dickhead, one of those guys at the gym that comes up to you and says, hey, you're not doing that right. Correct your posture a little bit and then come and sign up for 25 uh, personal training sessions with me over here. Don't be one of those guys. But be a positive influence to those around you and help where you can. But only help as much as needed, yeah? Because otherwise, you're a dickhead. <laughs> um, I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap. Almost on an hour at, uh, an hour on the button. Um, it's a long weekend, guys. So I'm going to take this opportunity to say see you next week, at least after Tuesday. Um, I don't know when we'll be able to do it, but I'll definitely get something out next week. Uh, however, it is a long weekend. So Monday is a bank holiday in the U.K., and, uh, and everything will be shut down, including my, my brain. Um, but I hope you guys have a good long weekend. If you're in the UK, if you're not, I don't know if there's a holiday in America um, or anywhere else out there. But uh, for anybody listening in the UK, have a great bank holiday weekend. And to everybody that's been listening, um, I appreciate your ongoing support. The, uh, you know, the action of pressing play or pressing download or pressing four stars or whatever your rating would be or writing a quick comment. You don't know how much those things actually impact uh, a small a small show like ours to get that much, you know, that little bump in growth or that little extra point on the discovery meter for some of these companies. It, it means a lot, guys. So anybody that's doing that um, or thinking about doing that, I appreciate it and please please do. Please do engage. Um, we, we, we want that. So um, we're going we're gonna to wrap now. So have a great long weekend. Uh, we'll be back. Like I said, we'll be back at some point next week. But um, my name's Daryl. As always, pleasure to be here. Get us on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Check us out on Facebook or Twitter at QuietPartLoud. Um, and until next time, guys, all the best.